Welcome back to Kefaro Cast, everybody. We have our brothers from the Western Slope here. Grant, take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> you put it on me like that? Uh, no, I'm uh, Grant with Viking Armament, and uh, we've been here before, touched a little bit of base on what we're doing and what we've got going. Uh, today, we've also got Matt from XLR with us, and then we've got our gunsmith from Viking, Jeremiah Greenfield. Um, we've brought a couple couple new products to, to show off, um, kind of what we're doing with rifles, and then Matt brought a new chassis system, and then also going to talk a little bit about the Element 4.0 from XLR and the changes they've made. And uh, yeah, as far as as far as the rifles we brought today, um, I don't know if they're going to be named the Hammer Number Two and Hammer Number Three, uh, but we have brought a 6.5 PRC and a 300 PRC off of the new Element 4.0. It's kind of our latest uh, Apex model. And they have sent us some some loophole scopes to put on them, and just kind of going to be the Kafaru shop rifles and see what these guys can kill with them. See if old Frankie can slay some rags. <laughs> That's my hashtag. I shoot <laughs> hashtag. I shoot rags. Uh, how was that for an introduction? I, how, did, how did he do? One out of ten. You seem nervous. Me. No, Frank. Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! That's funny. Uh, so it's who's the calling? kombucha going through his What's veins? Going on over there? Anybody important? Uh, Virginia Beach. Grant gets Man, a lot of calls. That's He's a, good, a super popular guy. <laughs> that's <laughs> a good sign. Usually that means they're in the Navy. Dead um, collectors. <laughs> dead collectors. That's a long way to travel <laughs> for money. Um, so uh, as far as the 4.0, I, I guess kind of top to bottom, you want to go over the changes on the new chassis? Yeah, so the Element, we're on our fourth iteration. Um we thought about doing these changes when we came actually out with the 3.0, but we decided not to. The main big changes we have the integrated, really right stuff, 1.5 inch dovetail machined in the fore end, which is commonly called Arca Swiss. Allows you to directly clamp into tripod heads and certain bipod head adapters. And it's just a very versatile system that is quick, efficient, allows you to adapt to different shooting positions and situations. The downfall of it is it's just not as ergonomic. So, on your guys's previous rifle the 3.0 has a more curved forend which is a lot more ergonomic for carrying the rifle but as we've had these models out for a while we've continued to educate the hunting industry on the new features that are popular in the precision rifle world and then also really showing that the you know compact compactability is that a word We've I, had we we've had Luke, we've had Luke on here a lot, so you yeah, can make, you, you can pretty much make making it more compact with the folding adapter. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. very cool. rarely are you anymore carrying a rifle just in your hand, fudding around through the woods. So the Arca Swiss is now integrated in it, and we have an integrated bubble level. So just two new integrated features, no additional cost. Uh, bubble levels just allowing you to check cant when you're getting behind the rifle for some of those longer shots. And then for Viking, we have a apex exclusive chassis that we make for them so it is the same features as the 4.0 but it has their engraving a cool little gangster cutout on the magwell that makes it look super sleek and some uh what's your what's your look like design well, just the honeycomb honeycomb yeah cool. matches their cheek rest uh cheek rest foam which by the way they do have in stock right now get it while you last yeah so 4.0 it's uh being manufactured and shipped now, we haven't updated the website, unfortunately, but anything that is ordered as a 3.0 will be a 4.0. And uh, people are pretty stoked now that they're starting to be aware of how the Arca Swiss system works in the hunting industry. Yeah, I think that's huge, the, being able to attach your rifle to your tripod. I started doing that probably about a year ago. I asked, I saw Matt brought uh, really right stuff, tripod to the sheep show, and I was like, damn, dude, that's that seems like the way to go for the most sturdy of of shooting unless you're like prone i suppose but certainly handy when you're guiding because i can lock the gun in on yeah. the sheep so they can't fuck that up so <laughs> like, shoot that do one. you yeah. see the sheep <laughs> all where is it do, all you have to do is pull the trigger with actually with chad's wife i locked it in and was like it's it's on the sheep now and, and she's like which one i'm like it's literally on that it. one just pull the trigger <laughs> um yeah, just because you do, there's confusion or whatever else as far as. And to dive into the Arca Swiss for those that understand it, for on a photography side of things, an Arca Swiss plate is a universal plate that you can put on the bottom of your camera to mount to an Arca Swiss tripod head. So what you guys have done is made an Arca Swiss compatible 
you know, I, I guess front end or rail rail. Yeah. Thank you. That will lock right into the same tripod that you're hooking your spotting scope to a camera or whatever else. Cause it's Arca Swiss compatible. So if you have an Arca Swiss tripod now and you got this rifle or, or, uh, this stock, you can just drop it right in like you would your camera and lock it in. Yeah. And I will add one thing on that. And that's, it's been a frustrating thing in the firearms industry for a couple of years now. So yeah, like Aaron said, Arca Swiss is a common plate that's using the camera company and Arca Swiss is actually a tripod camera focused company over in Europe, I believe. But, um, when the shooting industry started really adapting it and it started taking over from the 1913 pick rail, really right stuff when it actually branched away from the camera company a little bit, the camera side and, uh, Specked out their own dovetail that's 1.5 inches in specific degree. Frustrating thing is there are some heads out there that might be camera specific tripods, let's say Montefrotto or something like that, that can have some compatibility issues. But in the shooting industry, more competition, tactical, everyone's jumped on board on that 1.5 inch spec where if it's clamped in, you know, it's not going to move when the rifle's recoiling and you don't have to worry about sliding because some of the other ones that can vary a little bit on the spec but most of them they're adjustable on how the clamp actually clamps um so they can go down to maybe a 1.4 to 1.6 inch wide dovetail what it is with monfrotto is they for whatever reason did their own version and it's not exact arca swiss now they do have some arca swiss heads but they have their own variant that is not i mean it looks like an arca swiss but the dimensionality is way off and so they kind of fucked up the system basically by doing that if that's what you're referring to yeah, yeah on, on monfrotto yeah we'll I have a few people i'll have random tripods from different companies saying hey it's not clamping down or it won't cam over on the lever and whatever else so that's why i mentioned the rrs 1.5 inch spec because they've been the ones that have really pushed of you know if the adapter and the dovetail are cut to this you're good to go which we ran into that a couple years ago with some accessory companies on the firearm side making adapters for bipods and they would clamp and it would clamp on, but then they shoot the rifle and it'll just slide. So it wasn't getting down to that 1.5 inch. So it's, yeah, one of those things that's just kind of frustrating when some people are making it different things, but all your common tripods that people are really using, they will clamp right in and then you don't have to bolt on like what Frank was saying a couple or a year ago he did. So you're adding that additional weight and you don't have to have any concern of it coming undone, which anytime you have things threaded onto a rifle, over constant recoil and abuse they can come on thread and next thing you know like why is my groups going to crap and it's because your bipod pick rails you know shaking and wobbling same with scope bases and stuff so yeah it's a pretty cool integrated feature we are working on an accessory that will actually slide over the fore end of the chassis down the arca swiss rail then bolt into it that will be like a 3d printed polymer that will add a little more ergonomics for grabbing the rifle from the magwell, and it will help shield the hand from the cold. Um, don't have a determined date on when that will be available, but hopefully sometime this year. Gotcha. So um, as far as the, I guess, like the rifles that you made us, um, I got a ton of questions, um, you know, on the on the 6.5 PRC. I, I uh, because of the man bun uh, shit going on with the 6.5 Creedmoor, I don't think people realize just because it says 6.5 on the front, it is not the same fucking round. Do you you guys want to talk about some of the um, what you've built for us and then maybe some of the differences? Because if you're just someone that peruses the Internet and you see 6.5, they immediately think they're going to get made fun of because um, of the Creedmoor. Um, Ryan Avery's a very good that's his favorite caliber. Actually. <laughs> yeah. If you have um, any questions about a six five Creedmoor, hit up right. Hit a hit up Avery. But some of the different uh, calibers, what you guys offer, where they're maybe uh, a little bit better as far as one might be a high country mule deer sheep type of a gun, uh, or, or excuse me, caliber, uh, so on and so forth. Because I got a lot of questions on that, and I'm like, look, guys, just Google the shit. A six five PRC and a six five Creedmoor are not the same thing, nor is a 300 PRC. And I think people are, are not understanding some of those, um, you know, the differences in that. As far as, as far as all the different calibers that we're doing, I mean, we're doing a bunch of, uh, mainstream, mainstream calibers, um, as far as, 
your your common stuff that's been out there. We still do a lot of six five creed mores and a lot of three hundred wins and stuff like that. But there is some kind of newer, later, latest, greatest calibers. Um, like we are doing a lot of the six five PRC and the three hundred PRC. Um, there's always that age long argument of the six five being being too small or or the man bun argument with the six five. But uh, the six fives, regardless. I mean, have, have killed a lot of shit over time. Um, as far as the differences between the 6.5 Creedmoor and the, the 6.5 PRC, Jeremiah, you want to hit a little bit on that? You know, the, the main difference is, you know, you're going to be about 300 feet per second faster um, uh, with any given barrel length, apples to apples comparison. You know, a 6.5 Creedmoor is a standard bolt face cartridge, as where a 6.5 PRC is a short action magnum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the 300 PRC is a long action magnum, um, you know, it has quite a bit more punch behind it, but, you know, you have a, a lot more felt recoil. So, you know, I mean, let's face it, you know, the, the 270 Winchester has been around since, you know, for a long time and has killed everything on the face of this earth. You know, 6.5 PRC is, you know, more or less in the same power category, but has a significantly higher BC bullet. So you have a lot better long range accuracy and a lot you know just better kinetic energy transfer because you know of a more aerodynamic bullet another thing i want to jump in that a lot of people don't consider when there's these newer cartridges being used and chambered on these rifles and people always like to bash new stuff when they don't know what they're talking about but it's very wise to be using some of these newer calibers for gunsmiths because if you look at the development and the factory ammunition world over the years, people are able to buy some of this newer ammo that they're really putting a lot of emphasis in towards these new calibers like the PRCs or some of the Nozzlers. And that's because they are new and they obviously have improved some of the design, which like Jeremiah would be a lot better to discuss like, you know, differences on shoulders and neck lengths and stuff but if you go buy some factory hornady 65 prc match ammo it's going to shoot really really good compared to 20 years ago what guys were picking up for their 270 win and because some of the older calibers that yes they are still perfectly acceptable and are going to do everything you need them to if you'd like um they just haven't put as much into the ammunition because they are an old cartridge right so it's same thing as vehicles like vehicles have came a long ways if something new comes out people can bash it because they don't know anything about it but it probably has some new bells and whistles that is there for a reason so 6.5 prc versus 300 prc like what aaron was kind of hinting at with people not knowing the differences jeremiah said one's a long and one's a short so it's case capacity 300 prc is going to give you a lot more insurance on an animal as far as energy but, you know, a lot of people don't need to be shooting a 300 PRC if they're only shooting out to 300 yards. Where the 6.5s with some of the newer bullets and some of the larger cases like the PRC, they're going to do everything you need them to on just about any species in North America unless you're shooting at extended long ranges. So let's dive into that a little bit just because obviously coming at it from um, I shoot a recurve. So I'd, like I asked John uh, Pinch, which I think you guys are familiar, he's a friend of mine. At one point, I said, "Hey, I'm thinking I'm building a gun. Uh, you know, what what should I get? I'll be shooting out to 500 yards." And he basically laughed his ass off and said, "Shoot it whatever the fuck you want. You're only shooting out to 500 yards." And then I think people get on forums and get slightly confused because there's so many different perspectives. I guess you would say of looking at the different calibers. But if you're hunting elk and mule deer primarily, what would you guys suggest for a caliber for inside of 400 yards? It, it all really comes down to personal preference as far as the caliber goes. Obviously, these guys touched on the, the 6.5 PRC having having more case capacity than the 6.5 Creed, which the 6.5 Creed has killed a god-awful amount of animals over time. And with the, the 6.5 PRC being a little bit hotter, it is going to be a little bit more efficient. As far as since I was here, here last year, uh, the 6.5 PRC that we brought you and a couple more 6.5 PRCs that we built uh, around that same time frame one given uh, that's kind of our shop rifle. It has bounced around for the last year and a half and went everywhere. Um, it, it's shooting the 147 ELDMs. It first started in Alaska and at Dillinger River Outfitters at, at the lodge up there and killed multiple moose, multiple doll sheep, uh, multiple black bears. And we just had a customer with Dillinger also just shoot a coastal brown bear with a 6.5 PRC with the 147 ELDMs. 
And it's kind of funny. I, I posted a picture of it on our page and there's, there's a huge argument, um, on all the forums with all the people saying you're a psycho for shooting a six, five PRC on a coastal Brown bear, or you're crazy for shooting the 147 ELDMs. The 143 is a hunting bullet. It says ELDX hunter on it. Um, as far as the data that we've came up with and other clients and customers, as far as the factory ammunition out of the PRC, the 147s, as far as animals are by far and away better than than the 143s as far as performance goes. So from what you just said, are, are, do you, again, I'm from the outside looking in, talking shit about this. Um, are a lot of people picking fly shit out of Chile on a lot of these arguments that it really isn't that big of a deal inside of 300 yards uh, with the calibers? Yeah, it. I, I mean, it, as far as inside of 300 yards, obviously, depending on the animal, a lot of calibers given shot placement are going to get it done. Um, there is a lot of different different bullet manufacturers out there and how they perform. It does depend on shot placement as far as the type of bullet and if it's just going to punch a hole or if it's going to, you know, do a lot of damage as soon as it does hit, whether you hit them in the shoulder, the rib cage, or the guts. And there, there's so many factors that come into it. And, I mean, there's, there's, there's guys that I know that will never veer away from a 6.5. There's a lot of guys that I know that older school guys that have killed everything with a 243. Um, and then, then there's a lot of guys that, that just runs specifically 30 cows. You know, a lot of guys that run 7 millimeters, it just total personal preference it is all it all it is personal preference you know and you know the, the other thing that you know i think we should talk about is is felt recoil you know for me personally i love i love shooting you know the the six five for that very reason you know you shoot a lot of guns you know test firing when you build guns and you know the six five is you know very pleasant to shoot and it's you know it's very accurate um for that very reason, it just, you know, the gun doesn't beat you up as much. Obviously, you know, you put big aggressive muzzle brakes on, on these builds and it tames them down a lot. But, you know, apples to apples, you know, the 6.5 PRC is a lot of fun to shoot. And it's a great gun for, for children and for women. Um, you know, my 12-year-old daughter killed two cow elk last year with her 6.5 PRC. And, you know, she's 85 pounds. So it's a it's a good fit for a lot of a lot of types of hunting, you know, out to reasonable ranges, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not going to, you know, suggest you need to make, you know, extreme range shots uh, on anything. Um, but, you know, it's a very good hunting cartridge. So you could think of it this way, and this is something, Aaron, you could relate to. So, like, I know you're a big fan of fixed broadheads, right? Mm -hmm. But obviously I know you also have friends that shoot mechanicals which you two have shot mechanicals in the past but what made you change from a mechanical to a fixed broadhead well mostly just because i started shooting a recurve so i just didn't have the, <laughs> didn't have the ass behind it to open it up but the there's less to worry about going wrong with a mechanical compared to a, a fixed blade just because you can zip through um you know shoulders easier with a with a fixed blade obviously but if you hit something in the stomach, you might want to have a mechanical on your bow. So same kind of a thing. Obviously, different situations call for, for different types of equipment. And the main thing that you can pull from that is like shot placement, right? Where everyone thinks they're going to make a perfect shot and they might have killed an animal the year prior with a mechanical and had a perfect shot and did everything need to do, right? And then the following year, they shoot an elk in the shoulder and they see the elk run off with the arrow just flopping around on one side because it didn't break through the shoulder, right? Perfectly common thing that happens and then next you know a person's preaching oh, i'll never shoot mechanicals again they're the worst thing ever because of this well there is truth to that a fixed broadhead might have you know prevented that issue from happening and that's what i see a lot when people are talking about calibers if it's like oh yeah you know that six six five prc is going to do everything you need to do oh i'll never shoot another six five i had a six five two eighty four a few years ago i shot an elk at 500 yards and never recovered it well, there's multiple variables involved in there. Would a 300 PRC or a 338 normal mag or something else killed it? Maybe. Um, if you had a poor shot placement, probably. So, like, same thing on the Creedmoor. So are like, you saying with rifles it's the same way when someone wounds one, they immediately blame their equipment? Yeah, so, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I hit a limb. 100%. Yeah, but a tree limb, you do want to think of that where if you're only shooting 300 yards and in, for the most part, it's most all your popular cartridges are going to do everything you need. But if you're wanting to do a little more long range and you're like, I want to shoot an elk at 700 yards, that's where 
going up in not only bullet diameter, but case capacity is a smart move. So someone's like, yep, I truly want to shoot an elk over 700 yards, six, five PRC. Can it do it? Sure. But you're really rolling the dice a lot more with poor shot placement, which sometimes you just have no control over unless you are good friends with the winds got wind gods, I guess, because wind really (laughs) determines all of it. So having something that has a little more or a little less drift, which is going to be jumping up into the 30 cal or 338s and something that's going to have more energy and really carry that velocity for a lot better bullet expansion. And if you do hit bone, you know, it's going to break through that bone a lot better than a smaller six, five. So, I mean, there is a lot of benefit to going to a larger caliber, but I think what these guys are trying to get across, like what Jeremiah was saying on felt recoil, a lot of people can't shoot a larger 30 cal very accurate, and they definitely aren't going to be able to spot their shot if you are shooting at distance, whereas 6.5, they're going to be more accurate. They're going to be more comfortable. They're probably going to shoot it more, which at the end of the day is going to make you more accurate because you're going to have more trigger time. And if you're not doing those extended long shots, with majority of the game people are hunting, like you said, deer and elk, 6.5 PRC would great be a great caliber because of the available ammunition if you're hand-loading you can go on for days. There's tons and tons of calibers out there that are phenomenal. You know, like Jeremiah recently built me a 300 WSM, shoots lights out. I like the WSM cartridges because they have less recoil. I don't really care to shoot something that isn't very shootable. And I'm not playing on shooting stuff that's out past a thousand yards where you see someone like Ryan Avery, you know, he has some of the larger 30s and 338s but he's also shooting bear and elk at farther distances. So it's you have to be honest with yourself. Short for his shooting. weight, he can't get any closer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Less hiking. It, yeah, it makes his, lung, his junk in his pants look a little bigger too. You know, so. Well, it's, 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 it's unique coming from, um, you know, you when you're shooting a recurve, and then I'm just happy when somebody hands me a gun. Like, life has just gotten significantly easier. I don't give a fuck if it's a 5.56 five, or whatever. Um, it, and so watching, you know, seeing multiple, you know, I don't know, probably, yeah, probably a hundred animals hit the ground from, uh, you know, from a rifle in a, in a fairly novice perspective that PRC for me was like, um, you know, when people find God and they won't shut the fuck up about it <laughs> and they just keep talking about God. That was like with the PRC, I'm like, this will do anything I want, you know, in, in a sense of like with the bullet or the, the ammo that unknown muni- munitions made everything we've hit with that is flipped over. Like we haven't had one, even when we've got shot them, it was enough of a, you know. That's a 6.5 PRC. 6.5 PRC. And when I say that, meaning it was enough to where it did enough damage that they they wanted to bed down. I mean, it wasn't like hitting them with a 338 Lapua or a 300 grain, you know, bullet, but they didn't like getting hit and they laid down pretty quick, put another round in them. Um, You know, and this is my, again, a, a very narrow perspective of this. I thought that PRC would have, that was to me like a North American gun for anybody that wanted to go out and hunt elk or, or even moose. It just did enough damage, like some of the exit holes and some of the damage it's done on some of the Aldad mule deer was like, all right, this is this is perfect. I read on forums, it's fucking confusing. If you get on a forum and, and, and try to understand or, or pick what caliber you want, and I know a ton of guys that just run 30 out sixes, then they're super happy with that. They don't shoot very far away, you know, but it, it works for them. Do you guys hop on those forums very often and read through some of the comments? And how often do you look at them and then laugh your ass off? Or do you? We we definitely do from <laughs> from, <laughs> from our perspective. We have to kind of bite our tongues. Just like that post the other day about that that coastal brown bear that people just jump on there and they start, you know, guys that have never seen a cro- coastal brown bear or killed anything for that matter. And they just start jumping to conclusions. And I mean, little do they know that that, that 6.5 PRC was being backed up by a 4.16 or just given, given the different scenario of, of that rifle and the, and the situation. But, um, it's definitely good to listen in and, and look at people's different, different perceptions on stuff and, and kind of take, take different opinions with a grain of salt. Um, but all, I mean, so many different calibers out there and they're, they're all great. There's pros and cons of everything and it just totally depends on your application Uh, A lot of the caliber argument for us comes down to, like with our Apex rifle, uh, our our Apex rifle is targeting ultralight hunting, uh, but can also be, I mean, it can be a great target gun. That's one of the awesome things about the XLR chassis is you can go from these Apex rifles with optics being a seven and a half to eight pound rifle all the way up to, I mean, making it as heavy as you want with added buffer weights and added chassis weights. 
And um, as far as the barrel lengths that we're doing, uh, that's another argument about the different calibers, uh, say against the 6.5 and a 30 cal, is you can't quite as efficiently run a short barrel with a bigger caliber like the 30 cal just because you have so much more powder to get burned up within that barrel life. Uh, so the like the 6.5 PRCs, we just built a couple 16 and a half inches off of it. Yep. And, and either the, the 130s, 140s, uh, with hand loads, you can still you can still get them scooting. Uh, whereas a lot of guys that want to shoot factory ammo, that 16 and a half still will accurately and efficiently shoot the 143s or 147s. Whereas if you jump to say the 300 PRC, a 16 and a half inch barrel is not going to push a 212 or 225. Yeah, um, not, not very accurately well. at all. It, it'll still it'll obviously still shoot them, but it's you you just lose so much efficiency out of it that it's not going to be nearly as accurate. Our fine line kind of when people approach us and ask about the 300 PRC and they say, okay, I want a 300 uh, and I want to shoot hand loads. I've never reloaded. I don't want to pay someone to do it. I want to shoot hand loads. I always, in Jeremiah, mm-hmm. we tend to veer them towards at least a 22. Yep. And, and even the 22s, depending on the barrel, because some barrels are faster than others, we've even had, had some, some issues with the 22s not wanting to run the 225s nearly as efficiently. Um, so it comes down to that argument too. I mean, whereas smaller calibers, 22 creeds, six creeds, stuff like that, you can run them out of a 16 inch all day and run them efficiently. Um, so it, it's pros and cons. If, if people are wanting a tiny ultralight rifle to shoot under 500 yards, then, I mean, there's thousands of calibers out there that'll, that'll get the job. Yeah, Lots of very good options. (laughs) And even, uh, like Jeremiah and I on the way up here, we're talking about doing a six five three hundred PRC. Um, <laughs> oh, which, stupid, stupid stuff. We, we, you know, we talk about stupid stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which is wild catting. Just a three hundred PRC case, so you have way more case capacity, so you can get that six five bullet running way hotter, like a laser beam. Yeah, it'd be it'd be like a it'd be like a twenty six nozzler. You'd be in the same performance category, but you'd have probably oh six or seven grains less powder. So you know. But the the drawback to that is, yeah, you get lightning fast speed, but you know, you get fairly short barrel life. That's that's the drawback to doing stuff like that. So, but you know, as far as these Apex rifles go, that we brought these guys, uh, it's kind of just the the upgraded model of what we brought Aaron last year, and he seems to be very pleased with it um, for what what he's done with it and hunted with. Um, so these rifles will get used by all the all the people here at Kafaru and bounce around and go on hunts all over. And um, as far as how these are configured, they're off of the Element 4.0 chassis with a Lone Peak Titanium Razor Action. Uh, the 6.5 PRC is built off a of short action, and the 300 is off of a long action. We got a 20-inch Bart line, one and seven and a half barrel on the 6.5, and a 24-inch one and ten on the 300. The 300 is equipped with a four-port muzzle brake, and the 6.5 with a three. They both have the Leupold Mark V on them, and both of them with optics are about eight and a half pounds. Yep. We're not going to have any kind of a test at the end of this, are we? Because I'm not going to remember half that shit. Aaron's like, give me the rifle. I'm going to hold a foot over his back. (laughs) That's pretty much how I do it. Yeah, it was, uh, I know, it's just, I think for, you know, you hunt with a stick long enough, it's not that hard to get within 200 yards of of animals. Not all the time, obviously. I'm not, you know, whatever. There's times I I get it. I I just, uh, on my end, when I have the rifle in my hand, it's this giant, you know, stress reliever because I've just went from having to shoot inside of 20 yards to 300. It's extremely doable even offhand. Uh, so we, we use that gun a lot if something was wounded. Um, it just made it made it easier. We'd grab, you know, grab that gun, and I kept it, kept it in my pack for that. But uh, it also, one of the things, too, like explaining, like, the way that that's weighted with the, that chassis, it is extremely easy to aim uh, offhand with that in comparison to other rifles which I would assume, obviously, that's by design, but it's a pretty slick system, especially with the change you've made on this, because being able to hook it up to my photography tripod that I have a you know 150-millimeter swirl on, I can just pop that off and, and pop the, the chassis on where years, obviously, people run on Picatinny rails or whatever else, where you guys have it machined into the actual stock. How long have you guys worked on that beforehand? Was that something you'd fucked around with for a couple of years? or? Yeah, um, so... People have been able to obviously bolt them onto chassis a lot easier than stocks for quite some time. 
Um, one of our other models called the MV, and we've had a few iterations of it. It's been out since 2017. It's had it machined into it its entire life. So, I mean, we've had chassis with it machined in since 2017. And you know, that's, again, been more focused towards the competition scene and the competition side of things. It's very common to be shooting from tripods, but it's even really eliminated the need for pick rails in total because there's a lot of companies that are offering bipods now where they can clamp directly on or aftermarket accessories that can change out the heads of, like, your Atlas bipods or Harris bipods to then clamp onto the Arca Swiss rail. And for that, it's just overcoming different obstacles. So, like, if they're shooting, let's say, in two different positions and the first position is prone, well, a lot of times you're going to want your bipod a little further out, if not at the end of the forend, especially with some of these bigger, heavier barrels, because it's all about the fulcrum point and trying to make sure the balance of the rifle is appropriate even when you're in the prone. And it's going to also minimize the amount of movement when you're making elevation adjustments versus your bipod being super close to your rear support um, but if you're in the prone you might have your bipod at the end of the forend but then the next position you might be shooting off of let's say a very small surfaced uh, rock and when you move over to that next position on that stage you can then just quickly slide your bipod from the end of the forend to the magwell which is shortening the two points of contact you can have made on that top of the rock so you can have your bipod resting on the rock and you can still get a rear support bag underneath the buttstock or possibly the grip so it just allows you to quickly overcome those obstacles in different shooting positions without having to have multiple attachment points or having to actually take the bipod off the rifle and put it back on which in hunting i think that too can be a huge benefit i was saying before the podcast like if you get down in a rush instance and you got an animal up a steep face and you deploy your bipod legs all the way out and they're not quite long enough to be able to get the elevation you need as far as the angle goes, you can actually just quickly slide that bipod back towards the magwell, which is going to gain quite a bit of degrees in the angle. Uh, so it's it's definitely a pretty slick system. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's been people using this far prior to us even, and it just wasn't really a trending thing but it's it's a pretty big deal in the firearms industry now now there's even like quick adjust barricade stops and other accessories that can slide on and off the arc of swiss rail and just really make it more modular aaron with you on your rifle like i i know in texas it's probably not the best example because you guys are putzing around here and there but you know have you been, have you found that you're carrying it by hand often or are you using a rifle sling or do you carry it actually strapped to the pack i i'm not a big fan of, of slings so i just don't fuck with them so i have it folded up and in my 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 pack now keep, keep in mind because of the terrain i'm not nothing's out gonna gonna outrun us i mean you know what i mean as far as with the gun if somebody wounds something we'll be able to get on another peak and, and get a shot so i actually have it folded up in my pack all the time and then once we're on the stock, I still keep it in there because I'm not – a lot of archery guys get a little fucking sensitive. You fire off around a little quicker than you probably <laughs> should, you know. If And so if something's hit, um, I give the guy every opportunity to get a secondary stock, put another. But once it's hit the first time, it's coming out of the pack. I just carry it in my hand. It's not very heavy. It doesn't bother me. Uh, again, I, I don't really like slings that much because usually when that gun's out, I, I'm, I need to fucking shoot it. So I don't really need to have it slung, and it hasn't – it doesn't bother me to, to pack it around. If it, if it was a 15-pound like Lowland Canyon, we'd total different fucking story, but it doesn't yeah. bother me at all. <laughs> and I know as far as as far as on the chassis systems, um, there was there was some guys that were kind of worried about the durability of the carbon buttstock components and the folders. Um, from me running them the last year and a half, and you, Aaron, I know you said when we first got here, as far as the durability and reliability, I mean... I beat the fuck out of that thing and there's nothing. And when I say that, like I am not gentle on, on, on gear. Um, when I say, I mean, I don't beat it up on purpose. Right. But it's going, you know, I'm using it as a walking stick. It's going down cliffs (laughs) and I'm seriously like, I'll have the butt stock down and I haven't had any issues with it whatsoever. And a lot of times we got to jump on the truck and I just, you know, throw it in the back. I mean, you guys probably don't want to hear this. That fucker goes right in the back floorboard and are, we are jumping the thing, trying to catch up to wherever we're going. And, I don't have any issues with it at all. It's dinged up a little from rocks and shit, but nothing's broken on it. And uh, I would say if it was a couple, I fell off a couple cliffs with that fucker in my pack and nothing, didn't have any issues with it. So, And the setup that... It's a group tightener. 
(laughs) (laughs) The setup that we have came up with as far as the Apex rifle and obviously the chassis system, you know, it was all, all based off of obviously being able to, to use it well and make it do what you want. But as far as from a reliability and durability standpoint, uh, they're just, they're phenomenal. And you really, I mean, you can't beat them. Um, And as far as the optics go, another huge question that we get asked all the time is what, what are you going to run for optics? What should I run for optics? Uh, And as far as the Mark V and the Night Force and stuff, that's a big reason why I veer people towards them. I don't know if you knew this, but on social media, you're not technically supposed to say run anymore. Did you know that? Because will you offend fat people or what? I don't know. What is it with the run thing? Like I've said that since I was in the military, I'm going to be running a Ma Deuce pack. I'll be I running. I have seen the, that. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I thought I you think were talking it's about like more physically running. I think it's more yeah, of a, mili- I'm, I'm a military running. thing. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a military thing. Like military guys run this or that. Well, that's and if you're not, well, you're a military. You're a military, but I like, like non non military guys, I think it offends the military guys, maybe. I don't see how would saying run would bother well, any anyway. So you have to the, use a different word than run. I don't the know scopes what the fucking problem is. The scopes that we run, the scopes that we equipped on the rifles. Yeah. Yeah. They're equipped. Yeah, um, equipped. But, That's a better way. I just uh, read that recently, and I got a kick out of. I'm like, well, fuck. I say run. I'm even my fishing pole. I'm running a Dawa. I, yeah. I didn't know it was. I guess that's bad. I think it's just slang that people get butthurt about. It's the same thing in the rifle world. Like, some people will call their rifles rigs. Like, look at that sweet rig. And there's some people that don't care, and other people are like, that's ridiculous. A rig is an oil rig, right? It's a fishing and, rod, boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think that the just number one slang. thing that we Does should have protest is harvest. Because I'm not picking animals out of the fucking ground. That's what you do with wheat and shit. And I have guys, when did you harvest that? And I'm like, well, I killed it. Harvest. I said, I didn't harvest shit. (laughs) Is that the new technical, you should be saving harvest, we can't say kill? It's more politically correct, right? I Look up the I definition of harvest. Because that has to do with something with picking. Hold on, let me get it. (laughs) I I don't think any of us care about political political correctness. Actually, at this point, I'm thinking we, it's probably good we don't have your brother on right now. What? <laughs> <laughs> what I think there could be harvest. different words used for different people yeah, depending on be, what they do. Like, you know, myself, I might occasionally kill some animals. Aaron doesn't kill animals. He slaughters. <laughs> Just <laughs> absolutely massacres. So we got harvest, the process or period of gathering in crops. See? The fuck do you harvest an animal? <laughs> so I'm not picking that thing out Whoever's harvesting animals... Luke's a good harvester. (laughs) Yeah, Luke is definitely... You know what? If you buy from the grocery store meat, you probably are harvesting the meat, (laughs) technically. Yeah. We should probably start some type of a meme uh, with that definition of harvest. We could name a gun the harvester. Uh, I'm going to be running my 6.5 PRC to harvest animals. Did you like the... (laughs) Is that uh, done yet? Have you guys heard of a harvester? Did you look... uh, Suppressors. Yeah, harvester suppressors. Oh, yeah. The shit. back of that 10 we millimeter, can, it said uh, the Crippler. The Did crippler, you like that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not politically correct. Oh, uh, shit. But as sideways. far as that goes, we do have guns suited for all genders, shapes, sizes. <laughs> <laughs> no discrimination yep. at all. Uh, He's a businessman. Yeah, yeah. Well, the reason I asked on like carrying the rifles, we get that question all the time. People look at it and they think it's like some cumbersome, bulky, you know. You can run a fucking three-point harness with that thing without issue. Oh, like you I, can run whatever you want. That's yeah. just it. They're just super modular, so you can add or take away things depending on the type of hunt, and you can overcome so many more obstacles. Now, don't get me wrong. Traditional stocks you can still do a lot with for sure, and they continue to adapt to have more features like chassis. But you know, you go out on a hunt, you might be thinking, "Oh yeah, I'm for sure going to be able to get down, super comfortable in the prone, and be real calm." Well, next thing you know. You see a box stand up in a field and starts, you know, wandering off. Well, if you got a tripod and the grass is super tall, boom, there you go. You can shoot from the tripod, you know. So it's just being able to quickly overcome those instances, no matter if it's steep angles, terrain features, um, you know, whatever it is. But I, I too, I carry my rifle in my pack 90% of the time, whether I'm actually packing into the area that I'm hunting or even while I'm looking for animals because I'm usually going from glassing point to glassing point advantages to be able to look for them that it's not going to be a spooked instance you know as a kid yeah we were going through dark timber you're taking 50 yard offhand shots anymore that's just not really the hunting style most people do if you do obviously it's not changing anything but 
being able to strap it to pack to me has just been a game changer, you know, being able to utilize trekking poles or just brace myself if I'm going through steep stuff, definitely taking some falls, going down some scree fields and been concerned because I just strapped my rifle to the side of my pack. Um, I know some people put them in the packs, but I've yet to have a single issue on anything. I know, Grant, you brought yours back after Alaska last fall and you had some pretty gnarly dings in the folders and scrapes all over the place, but function and use was still 100%. Yeah, when I, when I took that rifle to Alaska last year, I told all the guys using it up there, all the all the other guides and hunters to use it. Don't, I mean, don't try and treat it's a tool. This thing it's a mountain absolutely. rifle. Yeah. Use it, and and they did, and it performed flawless. Just a curiosity for talking about the bulky part of it or whatever. Is it just because of the look? I mean, is there a specific? It's a look, and for long time, chassis were only looked at as a tactical application, right? So, I mean, competition, military, a lot of like we have other chassis models that are definitely a lot bulkier, larger, heavier, right? So that was the big thing that we worked on of how can we line up a chassis system so you still have the modularity and be able to have a folding butt stock and change out different grips to different people's likings. Uh, you know, it's just all customizable. So using the magnesium, which is 30% lighter than aluminum, really skeletonizing in certain areas without jeopardizing the strength and integrity of the chassis. You know, so, how- not to interrupt, but before I forget, one of the things that was super handy on my end since where this folds over I can actually drop this right down the back of my pack and put that horizontal compression strap here and it locks up where that folds over and then have the next one down just to obviously so it's not bouncing around. But the guy behind me can just hit two, uh, you know, SR buckles, unclip it and it's off. And then that where that's folded over holds it perfect. And that's usually like if I'm climbing up something steep and Scotty's behind me and I need to get it off quick and I just I need my hands free. I just strap it to the outside of the pack that way, and it works. So I prefer the your system by far than a standard. It's just less bulky when I fold the stock up. Oh, absolutely. What it boils down You're to getting that barrel down a good 13 inches pretty much, you know. So, I mean, it's definitely helping going through brush and whatnot. One of the slickest systems I actually saw was when I was in Idaho, Jordan. He was running the Striker XL, and, I mean, he could just put that sucker straight down in between the frame and the pack on the load shelf do two buckles and it was like the whole rifle system was you know secured if you're going through shit and you're worried about something getting scratched no worries there you know it's fully contained so yeah it's it's a slick system for sure i i love it and i've never been like oh crap i wish my rifle was on my pack because like you said you can relocate the animals or hopefully you're not literally just stumbling right into their beds you should should be aware of that but yeah well go ahead the the pack i personally run is the 44 mag mm-hmm. and with the 20 inch barrel and a three port muzzle brake, you can put the whole whole rifle in your bag yeah um and and not have anything sticking out of the bag yeah i mean so. the only time like with what we're talking about as far as like if we we're in a grizzly country a bear is wounded yeah i'm not gonna have my packs my 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 that's my, why you have rifles. frank with you well yeah well, well they they might eat me first he's can those fit pretty well look at those the, guns in the Damn. Those fit pretty well in the uh, in the gun bearer too. So I that's that's mainly how I'm carrying mine, and it works out great. But yeah, I think the the option of having that folder is huge. And like Matt was saying, Jordan's system was pretty pretty solid on that striker. How'd that do on on harvesting bears? We were harvesting a lot of uh, trees in the middle of the road. <laughs> a lot of logger fit is what we called it. Idaho is uh, a little touchy subject for Frank and I. Let's <laughs> yeah. not talk about it. Not so much luck. Uh, Jordan got a fuckload of ticks on him. That was <laughs> that was pretty funny. Oh uh, shit! Yeah, good times. I'm glad I didn't go then. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the, just because I had a bunch of questions from our first podcast. Not to dive too far off the rails here. The, the Loki. Yep. Um, dive back into that. A lot of guys were asking about having it just as a truck gun, like uh-huh. a ranch yeah. gun. You know, whatever. Yep. Uh, go into that build and kind of what that offers. So as far as our Loki system. Um, Obviously, aside from long guns, we build a lot of ARs. That's kind of what the company started on and was based on. The Loki is definitely our, our most popular seller. It's a fully breakdown uh, AR-15, and we do we do a lot of them in, uh, in 5.56, 223, 300 blackout, and we have done done other calibers, but it's... Jesus. We're testing the durability Checking out of the these durability. rifles. Yeah. And why has it got to be a blackout? You there, goes, there goes $15,000. <laughs> What's that? Let me get a cha. I don't know. Oh, how this is going downhill quick. Grenade. Yeah, at least it's not a Zen. How come it can't be a 300 dark out, you yeah. son of a bitch? Yeah, <laughs> we're going to have to get that changed. Three, 300 brown out. But uh, what about no, the white the, guy? The Loki. It can't be a white out? 
fuck? You guys have a white pride rifle? Oh, we're gonna have to edit that out. God damn it, Frank! I'm, I'm brown. I can say that. Kind of <laughs> shit. I'm not. I look yeah. like a neo-Nazi. I'll be guilty just by association. You got hair today. You're good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, as, as far as the Loki goes, it uh, the overall um, the Loki breaks down to fit into an eight inch by fourteen inch bag. Uh, Kafaru is working on designing a pack specifically for the Lokis at this point. Um, the barrel kit comes off, the stock folds, uh, so I mean it breaks down small enough to run in your, your center console. Uh, I mean... Grant carries in his purse. Yeah, it will <laughs> you fit. You have a man purse? It will fit in your purse. It's a purse. Um, a purse, okay. Grant, Get it right. uh, I do have a man purse, and in, there's a Loki in it. In so. addition to those Lokis, you guys build ARs. Grant built me a little shorty uh, AR with like a seven, eight, seven or eight inch barrel. Yep. Things fucking nasty, dude. Yep, little little pistol. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the the Lokis are considered a handgun. They do have a pistol brace on on the rear of the Loki, um, and you guys can view them either on our on our website or on Instagram or, or Facebook, just at Viking Armament. And then the website's VikingArmament.com. You guys are shadow banned half the time, aren't you? Probably. Yeah, you don't pop up typing it in. Uh, you got to do some some yeah. work. Yeah, I think it's probably because you're selling guns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as far as Loki goes, uh, it's a super cool little system, eight-and-a-half-inch barrel. They do have a linear compensator on there, um, and the handguard is large enough to where you can run a suppressor uh, recessed inside the handguard. But they do, as far as accuracy and stuff goes on those Lokis, with it being a breakdown system and it only being an eight and a half inch barrel, I mean, you're not going to expect sub MOA accuracy or anything out of it. But it will shoot, you know, it will shoot two inch groups at at 100 yards, depending on the optics, um, and obviously depending on the rounds and the caliber. Um, but as far as just a overall awesome throw in, take wherever truck gun, throw in your center console, still be able to shoot coyotes at 200 yards type deal. It is an awesome system. Great for home defense. Uh, one of the coolest things about the Lokis is we can switch the barrel kits from 5.56 to 300 blackout, or 300 dark out. And <laughs> 300 wide out. <laughs> and we can switch We can switch those barrel kits. Uh, same bolt face, same bolt carrier group. Um, obviously, same receiver set, so all you got to do is uh, swap mags, swap the barrel kit, and you actually can run the same mag with the blackout too. But if you have one loaded for 300, loaded for 5.56, swap the barrel kits out and swap your mags and go from a 30 cal to a 5.56, just like that. So that's the cool thing about those. Um, Aside from that, we do have three or four more AR models. Uh, Anything from just kind of your dual overall 16-inch non-breakable AR. And we have a our highest-end model is called our Uller. It's more of our match-grade style. It's our custom upper and lower receiver set and handguard. And it's got all super super nice high end components on it, and uh, it's a sub sub MOA rifle. We do a lot of those in five five six two two three two zero four. Um, we do we have done some twenty two nozzlers, six five grindles, things like that, and also fifty Beowulfs. Gotcha. The grindle, that's funny. Did you so is the Beowulf? Uh, uh, in the have you ever watched Beowulf? Mm-hmm. Wasn't the Grendel the, was the beast Grindel was, or whatever that yeah, thing was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was wondering. Is that where you got that from? No, no, no. That's it's an it's caliber, yeah, it's an actual caliber. Else, uh, some other company. You should have made that shit up. You can see why I shoot a recurve. <laughs> <laughs> can we delete that? I was just kidding. Yeah. I knew the Beowulf was, but whatever. But uh, the the Grendel's a, a super awesome little round for people that don't know what the six five Grendel is. Um, it it's just a super super neck down little short six five case. Um, and it's capable of running off the AR-15 platform. What we typically run out of them are the 123 ELDMs, and depending on barrel length, out of a out of a standard 18 to 20 inch, they're running about 25 to 2600 feet per second. Um, awesome little hog gun, awesome whitetail gun. I mean, again, you can technically shoot whatever the hell you want with it. It is a 6.5, but it's a cool little round. We do a, do a lot of those off of our our Uller and Crucible platform. Um, and, and aside from that, aside from our Apex model rifle, aside from the, that long gun, we do have uh, the general and the select rifles, uh, three different main models. But as far as what we're doing, we do want to build everything 100% specific to the customer, and we want to make it your rifle. We do all of our Cerakote in-house, uh, so anything that you can dream up, we can try and make happen. And, um, I mean, aside from that, we... Just uh, we're pairing up with with Kafaru here, and I believe 
that uh, Frank, what's your what's your ideas with these rifles on your guys' end? So I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna add a page for the the high end rifles, the Apex model uh-huh. or the you know whatever you want to call them here, the Kafaro version. Um, and it's gonna you'll basically click on that link. It'll have the information of the rifle, and then you can click on another link that's gonna send the customer to your page, and then you'd purchase straight from from Viking. And then also in the future, I think we are going to have a full system. Um, that you can you can purchase a, a system with a pack and a rifle. Um, that's that's kind of the plan, and that way you can you can be. We're gonna call it the tort package. Yeah, the pack of torts with it <laughs> and spam. I was just gonna actually say that there's some <laughs> some companies here that in the firearms industry that send out like M and M's and snacks and stuff. So we'll start Greg can spam. put some spam in there. <laughs> what flavor would you we like, could, sir? Yeah. Well, we could do spam tortillas and a can of Copenhagen. That would get expensive. It's expensive to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> what is Copenhagen down here now? I recently quit. I know it was about to take ask. a tax. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's cheaper than Canada. I think it's like seven bucks a can, six something. I think it's up to forty in Canada. Canada like Thirty super something. expensive. Yeah. That's a bad habit. You guys are all into bad habits. <sighs> I matted it up. Jeez. So, Copenhagen will stunt your growth. That's Look it happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, so, so I shoot ninety five. So two thousand five fifteen. So that's twenty twenty five six. So twenty six. So. Th- Let's add this shit up. 365 times 26 multiplied by an average of five. $47,450 is what I've spent on Chew, roughly. So you could have bought horrible. roughly 10 Apex rifles with that. I could have, or a third of my Raptor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, a little you over You need a third. the Copenhagen sponsorship. I know those fuckers. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> I bet I get Grizzly to sponsor me. You could get Mountain Dew. There you Dew go. Gris- Grizzly wintergreen pouches. Is Mountain Dew sponsoring everybody in the outdoors now? Looks like it, yeah. No shit. Who's gotten picked up? A lot of the Eastern people. No shit. What the Dew drinkers. I don't know. I don't know. I like Mount- red Mountain Dew in <laughs> moderation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. And that also um, leads to, Matt, do you have something else you want to talk about here, boss? This is awkward. Very awkward. As far as uh, price yeah, point goes. so we actually got a new chassis we're coming out with here in the near future. It's going to be called the Adam chassis. It's a Element 4.0 shrunken down, so it has a shorter forend. Uh, all the same options will be available on it as the Element. It will be offered in aluminum and magnesium. Uh, it's a pretty cool little compact chassis that if someone wants to do like a little uh, bolt-action pistol build, those have been pretty popular on the fun side of things, or even just for like a truck gun, you can put a little 10-inch barrels on there and have something that folds up in probably a what 20 inch package give or take so yeah. kind of like the loki grant was saying just a super small thing if you want to put it in a pack or in the center console of a truck not that we're saying you should hunt from trucks but it could be done um but yeah it would be called the adam <laughs> uh we don't have an exact release date nothing yet. wrong yeah. with hunting from a truck no, <laughs> What are some? Uh, there's a heater. There's AC. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with that? Keep basically anyway. a box blind. Yeah. Keep an eye out for our uh, Road Hunter model coming soon. <laughs> yeah, Viking will um, be having a Road Hunter model. The chassis on the chassis block, the aluminum will retail for three ninety nine, and the magnesium will retail for five forty nine. And then you can choose which butt stocks and grips you want. Uh, what, we, what's the difference on the magnesium and the aluminum? So as far as the type of magnesium and aluminum that we use. I mean, on, wait, wait, sorry. Uh, uh, 30% lighter on the magnesium. So like on the element, you're looking at six ounces difference for majority of the action inlets. It can vary because the action inlets are going to change the overall design and how much material is there. Uh, the Atom chassis will be just barely over two ounces lighter than the element, which always is kind of funny in my opinion when it comes to weight savings because we've had plenty of people say oh man i could save so much weight by cutting down my forehand and they don't understand how skeletonized it already is and majority of the weight's all around the action uh inlet but yeah this one i mean the so the magnesium atom will be 14 ounces and that's just chassis block so depending on which grip and butt stocks you choose it'll go up from there the lightest configuration will offer will come in at 26 ounces. I think it's like 25 and three quarters, so 26 ounces. So pretty light little setup to be able to add and still have adjustable cheek rest and, you know, pistol grip and all that. So, yeah, it's a cool chassis. We got one of the first ones finally completed and coated here, which we 
actually we'll be doing a giveaway with good old Luke with GU Unfiltered Sweet here. Oh, baby nice. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, which by giveaway, he'll probably just forget and I'll never see the chassis again. <laughs> yeah. On that note, can you make him some type of a chassis that works for both season but it's a rifle so he can actually kill something? <laughs> Do you, you have, do you have a going? cure for target panic? Yeah, <laughs> or just supreme a crossbow, or like <laughs> uh, yeah, like a but but faster if possible, but faster, I, more it, accurate. We gotta also we're gonna we're we're in the middle of patenting um, a microphone that takes away nose breathing. Have you ever listened to a podcast with him, Darth Vader? <laughs> and it it kind of throws you off because you're like you think it's a vacuum, but it's just it's Luke's nose. It, <laughs> What did he say the first time? He sounds like Darth Vader going through the woods. Yeah. Yeah, he needs all the help you can get. So you guys definitely need to build some kind of a reinvent the wheel where Luke can bring a gun to bow season and, and still be legal. For some hunting and stuff, that probably actually would work on his benefit. You know, some animals are just super interested in certain noises or smells. Like <laughs> I've had right some in. friends that are like, man, you need to smoke weed. I'm telling you. <laughs> animals love it. They come into it. I'm like, no freaking way. That's not going to happen. <laughs> That doesn't work, but supposedly. So maybe maybe bears will come in thinking it's a sow snorting. You ever looked at the back of a $20 bill <laughs> on weed? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Luke's a trip. He actually shot uh, his deer with uh, the rifle you guys built me. That was quite comical. Have you guys heard that story as we pulled up with my loaded pack and we pulled beside the hot tub and he's like, all right, the deers usually come out right there. And I'm like, you mean like right fucking here? And he's like, yeah, yeah, like right there. So we're sitting in the truck, and then uh, yeah, the deer comes out, right? So I go to grab my recurve. He's like, no, no, because it's a private land only tag, and uh, we didn't want it to jump the fence. So I flip it over. Uh, we go take a couple pictures, and I'm I'm yarding it in the back of my, my Raptor, and that other deer comes out of the woodland. I'm like, Luke, grab my fucking gun. Shoot that thing. And the lady's been drinking that uh, has the house, and so she's like – don't shoot it's my donkey and i was like (laughs) and and luke's like no it's not your donkey well she's a bit inebriated right and i'm like at this point like luke flipped this motherfucker over now it's 80 yards from my truck right it's not very far away so he shot his deer uh obviously with that was the 6.5 prc and then uh, we loaded them both in the truck all within 200 yards of the hot tub. It's quite the hunt. You should have been in the hot tub. Well, yeah, that would have been better. Dude, I, well, I had my spotter loaded up and everything else, and so I, I was thinking we were actually going to walk, you know, somewhere. But no, no, we. Uh, I don't know what the legal limit is beside the truck, but whatever it was, that's the distance I shot my deer from the truck. <laughs> Just to be clear. <laughs> Uh, good old Luke. Um, what are you thinking, Frank? Sometimes it's good to have those type of hunts after you suffer a couple times early season in archery, and then you go back for uh, revenge. Revenge yeah. hunting is what I call it. Yeah, no shit. It's uh, like turkey hunting with a rifle, you know? Yeah. Frowned oh, upon yeah. by most, but <laughs> it is legal in the fall. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I told that to uh, Mike Hearn. I'm like, dude. Like, fuck t- spring tree hunting. Let's go shoot him with, with a rifle in the fall. He's like, dude, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> how low can you go? Yeah. Uh, it is amazing how um, how different things are looked at from what part of the United States or country you're from. So, like, you, you can't really hunt Oklahoma or eat Kansas. or te- you got to have a feeder. I mean, you just, you, the deer aren't coming unless you feed them. But then if you're a Western guy that's never been down there and you see a feeder, it's automatically like you slept with your sister. But if you, if you hunt down there, you can't not have feeders. I mean, they just don't come. I mean, they just go eat on other people's land. So I'm like a few times guys have shown me photos like, Hey, look at this buck. And I'm like, you might want to crop the, uh, the feeder out. And they're like, (laughs) what? And I'm like, I get that feeder out of the photo. Why? And I'm like, you've never hunted outside of Texas, right? And they're like, no, I'm like, that's severely frowned upon. I would, I would get that fucker out of, uh, but down there it's normal where up here. And then like Utah, didn't they just outlaw baiting in Utah? I don't think so. Did they? What, what was it? I think it was Utah. They outlawed. There's a big to do about baiting and then they were on like the trail camera and baiting thing. But yeah. I think too many of the, the little herd over there freaked out because they won't be able to kill anything anymore without the well, bait. I, 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 I uh, was J- I was talking to Jr. from uh, or Junior from uh, uh, Chino. Chino. He's like, 
they outlaw cameras. I don't even know what the fuck I'm going to do all year. He's like, we got 400 cameras out. My whole day is checking game cameras. And, and, uh, they were talking about like Doyle probably has 5,000 game cameras out. Yeah. So that's if they, insane. Yeah. If they outlawed him, well, he could make probably a house payment by selling all his fucking game cameras. But yeah, we don't have to worry about that here, I guess, as much. Have you guys hunted down there in Arizona much during a little bit? Yeah. Um, yeah, not much. It's unique. It's a lot like Mortal Kombat, uh, public land hunting like oh, yeah. it was handy having the raptor because we were jumping that bitch to get there before because <laughs> everybody you're seeing headlights coming at 4 30 in the morning i mean it's a race to, to get where like i went to get in the blind 5 30 an hour before daylight there was somebody that was already in the blind uh and I, he was like i've been here since 3 30 and i was like that's some fucking dedication holy shit you deserve it <laughs> yeah you no stay kidding. right there i'll go elsewhere yeah oh yeah it was, it was pretty wild but anyhow that's where you need um the road hunter yeah. <laughs> it is actually going to be a fast. model. It's yeah, what caliber not, is that going to come in? So um, it is going to be off of the new Adam chassis. It's going to be a, a super small, lightweight, compact build. Um, I'm not going to give too many details. I want to keep everybody excited for it. But it is just going to be a short, compact rifle. We're probably going to offer it in 22 Creed, 6 Creed, um, and then probably 6.5 PRC, um, just in the shorter, lighter bullets um, or shorter length barrel, lighter bullets. Um, so most of them will probably be anywhere from 16 and a half to 18 inch. And we, we will probably jump into some pistol builds, but as of now, it's just going to be a standard, standard, standard rifle build. So, um, but yeah, it'll be a pretty cool little mountain gun too. Yeah, it should be. We're hoping, uh, hoping to get the, get the rifle without optics, sub six pounds for sure. Um, hopefully lower in the, in the low fives, high, yeah, low five range. So cool uh you guys got anything else you want to cover overall just as far as on our end um aside from our our mainstream builds we like i said do everything fully customizable so uh feel free also to to reach out to us at any given time if you have questions for jeremiah uh, as far as as reamers go um as far as any technicality stuff within calibers whether you want to hand load or whether you want to shoot factory stuff feel free to reach out at any time um we do do you just, said doo doo. <laughs> we do do. We we do uh, just just about just about any We're any just caliber you for Luke's podcast. Um, yeah, I mean we we have you know I don't know sixty reamers so for anything you can imagine and if you have something very specific you know we can we can have a reamer custom ground, um, custom dies made you know unknown munitions can most of the time make ammunition to suit most of those needs so obviously there's some stuff that would have to be wildcatted but yeah hit us up you know we can we can set you up in any way shape or form you know that you want or need if you are on the fence about the chassis system um i would i would say absolutely get out try one shoot one and and use them a lot of people first see the chassis system and think it's heavy for one it is not um and some people questioned the durability of the chassis systems as far as not necessarily the chassis block itself, but with the ultralight models with the folder and the carbon components. And like I said, they are extremely durable. Um, and I, I mean, and the you, versatility, you can set it up for yeah. your kid and you can set it up for your wife and yep. set it up for yourself. You can just a matter of yep. adjusting the, the cheek, uh, riser and if you, you have, have different lengths of, of stocks as well, right? Yeah. yeah, the carbons have different lengths. They aren't adjustable, but we do have adjustable butt stocks too. You're just going to gain that, you know, precision fitment, but you also are going to gain some weight. So, you know, there's always compromise when you look at that stuff. But, yeah, we have tons and tons of options. Um, you know, what we what we sell for Viking as far as the Apex rifles, really the ultimate culmination of backpacking rifle-specific stuff. So, if you're tired of not killing shit, call Viking. That's your solution automatically to drop animals. Makes your wiener bigger. Makes your wiener bigger. <laughs> That's what the kombucha does. That hasn't been it, proved. It We're harvesting it, some kombucha today. Yeah, no kidding. It what, was, you. what was your review on that, by the way? Kombucha. Hold on. And if you don't drink kombucha, then... Oh, no. <laughs> I, can't <do> <laughs> I can't do a, a Ricky Bobby skit. Uh um, but it was pretty good. It's apparently love, according to the bottle. Uh, this was the pear rose ginger. How was yours, Frank? It was good. It's the first time I've tried this Mortal Kombat kombucha. Don't shake them. I shook mine up, and yeah. it exploded. It's a rookie mistake. It's all right. Uh, what? <laughs> these actually, the these are they're local. Um, 
the 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 ginger one I well anyway they gave me uh, ketones to try have you ever guys tried liquid it's like drinking straight fucking gasoline it's it's literally like, like drinking Everclear so he's like it's kind of strong so I just took like a capful oh yeah you spit it out oh fuck me it was bad <laughs> I don't know so everybody should get some it's great for you I guess it's supposed to help mental clarity clarity and strength you know build muscles or what anyway. I'm not kidding. It would have. I I thought I drank Bigfoot piss. It was fucking horrible. But it, I guess it's good for you. But they make ketones. There's there's one flavor from the ketones that are good, and then the the mortal kombucha. Um, actually, they came to that land nav class we did. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, all right. Anything else to cover? Frank, you gonna give Frank, us the come outro? On, there's gotta be something. The else. outro. Yes. <clears throat> Someone messaged me the other day, and they're like, "Dude, what's what happened to all the stripper jokes and dick jokes and stuff?" And I don't know. You can only say them for so long. Yeah, I'm getting older, I guess. More mature. I don't know. Well, that and Luke uses all of them up. So, like, I, I every joke I have, I've told on Luke's podcast. It's more off the cuff for me. You know, Grant calls me. I make fun of his wiener and <laughs> calls me brown or something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Pretty classic. Uh, I've got a joke, but I think I told it on the Gladiators podcast about the, the old man that walked into the food court. And the, the kid's eating pizza, and he's got, like, this mohawk hair, and it's, like, pink and purple and yellow. And the old man keeps looking at him. And finally, the young kid gets pissed, and he stands up. He goes, what the fuck, old man? You've never done anything crazy? He goes, yeah, I fucked a peacock, like, 20 years ago. I thought you might be my son. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've told that one before. Uh, not, but Perfect way to end. <laughs> on that note, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Check out Viking Armament and uh, XLR Industries. You are guaranteed to not have to buy beef if you uh, buy one of their rifles and uh, chassis. And uh, if you have any questions on rifles, ask Frank because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing.